are you playing? Hello, and welcome to the first annual Bleepies. Ta-da! Where we, as uh, professionals, give out awards for the year's best of the best. Keep in mind, professionals are in quotation points that are like 48 points. <laughs> big old quotation marks all over there. So I mean, Let's be honest, we're about as qualified as the Oscars voting board, right? No, we're more qualified than those <laughs> bastards. So, uh, a lot of this is, I, love, I do love award shows. I'm a huge award show person. Uh, if you've watched any of our coverage of the Game Awards, you know that I love <laughs> award shows. I just, they're, they're, it scratches something at the back of my brain that I just really like. Oh shit, Mason, who'd you get for the live performance? <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, we wanted to, we initially were going to kind of separate this out and do like our top fives of this of the year and this, and I just thought it might be better just of us to kind of pick out a few categories and, uh, kind of our own little award show, the bleepies. This is a lot more fun than just, I, I think like, I, uh, as much as I love doing the lists, this is, this is fun. This it's, is really fun. It's a nice variety. Yes. So. It's a so, nice way to frame it. So we're going to do that. Uh, we have six categories we're going to cover here today. Uh, and uh, tell you what we liked about the year 2023. Uh, in uh, a few other things in the media that we are consuming here and talking about, anything from TV show, video games, or uh, movies is what mostly are going to qualify. Mm-hmm. Technically, if there was a moment, a soundtrack or whatever, anything that was from a YouTube video, that would have counted <laughs> as well. I had no, pro- oh, we had no problem with that. But I don't think any of us went down that road. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think that. I was going to say, I didn't exactly think like, oh, what moment from a book in 2023 really mm-hmm. shook you to the core. And because we are, we are more of a visual media uh, podcast that we like <laughs> yeah. to talk about things that we put in our eyes. <laughs> I'm kidding. But without further ado, let's begin the bleepies. Our first category for the night, best soundtrack. Now, we've talked a lot about soundtracks on this podcast. We've had multiple uh, top fives. A soundtrack can really change a movie Mm. or a game. It can take a mediocre game and it can bump it up or it takes that really good one and it puts it another level of why I want to rewatch or why I want to replay because I want to be in that moment and hearing that, you know, sometimes that big orchestral score. Maybe it's those quieter moments, those simple things, the simple, you know, maybe the little strings you hear. Soundtrack is so important. So... With that, Mason, who are you giving the bleepy of 2023 to for best soundtrack? I don't usually watch musicals that much. I'm not a musical guy. It's just not my thing. But when I do watch musicals, there has to be a perfect balance of cheese and genuine emotion for me to enjoy them. It's a tough balancing act to perform, but this movie nails it in spades. And a big proponent of that for me is the soundtrack which I listen to immediately after watching the movie for the first time, something that I never do, and I haven't been able to get it out of my head since. The Bleepy goes to, for best soundtrack, Wonka. Come with me And you'll be In a world of pure imagination who would have thought that at the beginning of the year who would have thought that at the beginning of the year not legit right. like legit right. like uh not to self-plug but my letterbox review for wonka is literally what the fuck this wasn't supposed to be good who did the soundtrack for it oh that's a good question i should have looked that up i apologize uh, <laughs> no problem no problem now uh, i'm uh, okay, unfortunately I in the minority did. here i have not uh watched wonka yet yes it's it only been out I for need. a couple of weeks I, it's something i really want to so. catch uh, because I think of the group, I was the one that was like, look, it may not be great, but it's the guy from Paddington and Willy Wonka. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> was, we could tell. I was going to say, unironic, ironically, the people who were looking forward to it the least, me and Mason, were the ones who watched it the first and we were like, what the fuck? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the soundtrack, it was done by uh, jo- Joby Tal- Talbot and Neil Hannon. Awesome. Well, congrats to them. They now have the prestigious award of a bleepy oh, on their, bleepy. Shit, on like, their shelf. Like, Legit- on their metaphorical fictional shelf. Le- legitimately, after I watched this movie, I've been walk. I I I was walking around work all the time, singing the music to myself because <laughs> it just it gets in your head. It's crazy. A good soundtrack can do that. It's 
it's not my it's not my pick because I haven't actually watched this movie, but a mid-budget Bible movie just came out called Journey to Bethlehem. And there is a song in there called mm-hmm. In My Blood, and it's been in my fucking head for like it days. Is, <laughs> you, you hear it, and you don't stop humming it. It is incredible. It's, I agree on that one. <laughs> I actually want to watch the movie now because of that song. I know, right? <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of uh, criticism for the Wonka soundtrack online, specifically TikTok, and specifically from theater people. Oh my, who would have ever oh, thought boy. that would happen? Oh, TikTok has a bad take? What a shock. Directed directed mainly at Timothy Chalamet's singing. And on a level, I get it. It's not exactly like a vocal showcase for Timothy Chalamet, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It pull it pulls the right emotions at the right amount that it that it needs to. Like awesome. the, it it's like it's like a like a symphony of like emotions, like getting the right emotions at the right time and it I, I so mean, good. Look, people can talk shit about Timothy Chalamet's performance all they want, but for me, his rendition of pure imagination is genuine fucking like magic. It's so good. I would never so ever good. talk shit on Timothy Chalamet. I have to support my scrawny brothers anyway. <laughs> I think personally, my 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 favorite track from it though is you'll ne- uh, you've never had chocolate like this. That's the one that's that I've been that is a, that, that is a really like good that is a really good one. It's so good. Alrighty. Well, our first bleepy given out. Thomas, do you have a bleepy for soundtrack to give out? Why, yes, I do. Similar to Mason, I let's let's put it this: way. I don't really analyze soundtracks that much. So most of the time, when I recognize a soundtrack is good, it's because someone came up to me and said, "This soundtrack's good, you dumb shit." Played a portion <laughs> of it, and I'm like, "Oh, damn, yeah, that is fire." And several movies this year have done that. Several movies I have been like, "Oh, this soundtrack's really good," but I don't think about it. Only one have I had the experience of, yo, dipshit, the soundtrack's really good, and I listen to a little bit of it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. And that is Across the Spider-Verse's soundtrack by Daniel Pemberton. is a guy who is getting more and more recognition like he has done some great soundtracks obviously the spider-verse movies but the king arthur legend of the sword movie i was gonna is also say him. that that, that one soundtrack honestly, is so good that one honestly bangs too but this one specifically i believe it's a track called like into the into the vortex into mm. the portal or whatever and i listen to that i'm like Oh fuck! Well, like yeah. you, like you kind of blank out for a second because it's so good, and you just listen to it, and you're like in a different plane. <laughs> it, it hits all of those moments perfectly. Uh, it makes some of those big moments in the movie you feel them more because the soundtrack. It's very similar to the first movie that What's Up Danger did for that scene. Yes, that, yes but yes. this time they did a lot more with the orchestral score with it that made it feel just massive yeah. in parts. And the, I don't think any, just for personal sake, because I also prefer songs with lyrics kind of thing, I don't think any moment quite reaches What's Up Danger, but What's Up Danger is also genuinely one of the best moments of cinema in the past, like, decade. Yes. So, <laughs> big, big, high bar to reach. Right, so. Awesome. Well, our second bleepy has been given out. I have a third one for soundtrack to give out. I think coming into this year, there were a lot of things that I circled as potentially great soundtracks. Uh, And there are things that were great soundtracks. But I actually decided to give the award out to something that really surprised me from a composer who I haven't always been the kindest to online. And that is the Ahsoka soundtrack by Kevin Kiner.
actress. So Kevin Kiner has always kind of just been like John Williams light. Like, yeah, you're just doing a John Williams. <laughs> it, it's, he did it's the Clone Wars. He did, John Williams. he did the Rebel soundtrack. And it's always just kind of feels like, yeah, you're trying to be John Williams. We get it. And it's not that he ever did like awful. It just was always kind of, yeah, that's good. That's fine. It's like the, he's the guy that J.J. Uh, Abrams would try to get to emulate John Williams. The entirety of the... And, and, and he hasn't necessarily been doing the TV shows, like the live-action ones. They've actually gone out. Ludwig Gorenson did The Mandalorian. I don't remember who did Boba Fett. Someone else did Andor. Uh, they've, they've gone and got like big composers for it. Mm-hmm. Kiner did Ahsoka. And I uh, that thought was like, oh, gosh. It, it, that means soundtrack is so important to Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... my god, from episode one to the final episode, nearly every track is just a banger. It is an incredible soundtrack with an incredible ending score of every episode. Props to you, Mr. Kiner. I didn't think you had it in you. And uh, that's why this year you get the bleepy for best soundtrack. We know you're listening out there and we know you must be very excited. I'm very excited to receive this award. So, our second category of the night. Best performance. A performance can really elevate things. Uh, and sometimes take a bad property and make it decent. You, There are multiple movies and games that I have played or watched and will go back to because one performance is so good. But is one of those going to be the best performance from this year? Or are we going to have something that maybe has more all-around performances? Well, Thomas, let us know what the best performance. What are you giving the bleepy to? Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so performances can be a lot of things. They can be something that you just go, oh, that dude's badass. Or, oh, that dude really nails it. Or it can be something that just hits you to your core. And for me, that's what my favorite performance of the year did. It just rocked me to my core. For reasons that I will go into after I reveal him. Because the bleepy, and I apologize if I butcher this name. Just being out there. Ryonosuke Kamiki as Koichi Shikishima, Shikishima from Godzilla Minus One. I almost went with him. I almost went with him. He is incredible. He's really good. Uh, what, what really nailed it, like, a lot A lot of these have, you know, they've altered. Uh, a lot of these have altered on my list. He has never altered. He has always been there. And what sealed the deal for me was when I'm watching Godzilla Minus One. It's two scenes, actually. It's the scene where he just starts breaking and he's like, I'm dead. He's like, I, I've died on that island. Godzilla killed me. This is just the final thoughts of a dead man, and he just breaks. That hurt me in That's the theater a, because a heavy scene. A bit of a personal thing. I get those thoughts sometimes because I have had several near-death experiences. It's the same reason why Puss in Boots and the Last Wish was my favorite movie of 2022 because it hit me to my core. And the second moment that really sealed the deal of no, this is the best performance of the year is right after Godzilla's attack. Like, right after Godzilla's second attack, his wife gets blown away by the explosion, and he just falls to his knees, sees Godzilla, and starts screaming. Just screaming, because that's all he can do. And it's like, shit. It is rare in a Godzilla film. I can probably count on one hand how many times that I have gone back and wanted to watch a movie, not because of to watch the Godzilla or the destruction, because the performances and the humans are so good and minus one and he is the one that leads the way like there are a lot of great performances in that movie oh there are so he many is but... so so good and you feel everything that he feels which is so hard to do it's Absolutely. yeah it's it's just, it's so good then you can tell it's good because his wife survives and every ounce every logical part of my brain is screaming Bullshit. She is smeared <laughs> on the pavement. But I don't care. Because, because his he performance deserves is, a happy Because ending. he deserves a happy goddamn That's ending. That's exactly what my feeling as well at the end. I was like, I do not care how realistic this is. <laughs> this man deserves this, and he gets it. He yes. gets it. <laughs> yes. It was genuinely yes. to the point where Godzilla Minus One, I didn't know how it was going to end. 
I didn't know if he was going to kill himself or not. Spoilers for Godzilla minus one. I didn't know if he was going to uh, sacrifice himself. And genuinely, I was like, if he sacrifices himself and dies, this movie goes into like one. (laughs) This movie will fucking suck. But no, he survives. And it's possibly the heartwarm ending of the year for, you know, a fucking Godzilla movie. (laughs) Feel good ending of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give the next bleepy out. All right. For best performance. I'm also going to uh, the country of Japan for my performance. Yeah, uh, I kind of, I kind of know what it is, but <laughs> uh, so uh, at the recording of this episode, uh, a anime just wrapped up at season two. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a big Jujutsu Kaisen fan. I love this show. I love the manga. It it, it scratches every shonen itch that my stupid little brain loves. But this specific season of it, it covers what is called the Shibuya arc, and it is just gut punch after gut punch. Well, the main character, who is Yuji Itadori, uh, played by Junya Inoki. And specifically what won, why he wins this bleepy is there's a scene where our main character is kind of possessed by basically one of the most powerful things that has ever existed, the most powerful monster. As I'm not going to get into the, all the details of Jujutsu Kaisen. It's, uh, uh, we'd be here for days. <laughs> but more or less, he has an evil being inside of him that took control of him and then wiped out millions wiped out half a city and then basically returns his body and basically says, I'll talk to you later. And the actor, the voice actor, Junya Inoki, literally on the set while recording this has a real breakdown on the set, like on the ground screaming and pounding. And the performance is so surreal and incredible in the same way that I say with, uh, with Thomas's choice, you feel that emotion. You feel that this person literally has been trying to do nothing but good, thinking they're doing good by taking on this evil entity, and then watch that they... They're trying to take bad guys out, and he's going to keep trying to do that. Their de- the amount of people they've killed will not probably ever equal what he just did. And he is broken. And it is one of the most amazing, gut-wrenching performances. And the voice actor brings absolutely everything out of it. So, Junya Inoki, congrats. You have won a bleepy. Wow. <laughs> well, now I feel I and this is this is interesting because my entry is like the complete 180 of both. Well, good. That's, we, that's, we decide, what the, that's what the magic of this award show is. We have decided to press Mason bring us out of it. All right. Yeah, this is this is going to this is the complete opposite of your guys' entry. So, <clears throat> Every once in a while, mostly in kids' movies, an actor takes on a role that many others would have considered beneath them and completely makes it their own. I don't think anyone else could have brought the type of balls-to-the-wall energy this character has while not, while not taking a single thing away from their performance. The bleepy for best performance goes to Ryan Gosling as Ken in Barbie. Cause I'm just Ken. Anywhere else I'd be tame Is it my destiny to live and die A life of blonde fragility I'm just Ken Where I see love, she sees a friend What will it take for her To see the man behind the tent And fight for me I love it (laughs) Considering that I'm Just Kin is like my fourth most played song this year. I love it. I love it. I, it's just it, the, the amount of energy that he brings. Like, this is, this is Ryan Gosling, remember? Like, this is a, he is a very high caliber actor. This is a role that somebody like him should consider beneath him. And he just, full, like, just fully dives into it. And 
In, in, made like, it his own. It made it, it absolutely made there it are, his own. There are so many behind the scenes where he, uh, you know, worked with the director. And, you know, the, they also fought Warner Brothers and Mattel a couple of times over, no, we're doing this. We're doing this. And that's, that's I think, really what, what sold it for me. Because I was, I was already, like, really sold on his performance watching the movie. Then when I watched, like, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and the blooper reels and, like... The thing that thing that he just did recently, the 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 Ken EP with like the Christmas, the Christmas version about yeah. like all of that, I was just like I'm sold. Like he is he is fully embodied this this performance in a way that any like any other actor would have been like Ken from Barbie. This it's yeah oh, all right okay, and they would have completely phoned it in. And Ryan Gosling has done the complete and total opposite of phoning it in. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that in a movie entirely devoted to female empowerment that I came away loving Ryan Gosling the absolute most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He but, he all but he all like all but steals that movie for me. Yeah, he really does. I haven't watched Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You brought that up earlier and I was like, oh man. <laughs> I skipped Barbenheimer. I skipped both of them. I'm sorry, I just didn't find the time. I didn't have the energy. I worked at a movie theater at that point, and everyone who went to Barbie, I wanted to kill. So <laughs> that happens in the summer a lot. That happens. This, that I, there have been multiple movies in my life that I did not go to, or because I didn't get a chance to watch it beforehand. Then the people that go to it, I'm like, nope. I, I am now turned off from this movie for quite a while because of the people that went to it. And I'm sure when I watch Barbie, it will be fine. But mm-hmm. I just I have not yet. Well, we've now passed out six bleepies. Wow. All right. Who's ready for another one? Yes. Another one. <laughs> so our third bleepy that we're going to pass we're just out. just doing two. <laughs> our third bleepy kind of goes hand in hand a bit with performance. And that's best character. You know, this could be a new character, something that we've just discovered this year. Or maybe it's someone returning for uh, in a role uh, that they've done many times. Or it's a character we've seen many times that someone else has inhabited. But uh, we're going to jump right into the best character here. And I'll lead off by give off the bleepy this time. My uh, best character... Look. <sighs> Thomas just broke me. I apologize. <laughs> I'm going to feel like a real asshole if it's not, but... You don't need to. You can. You can. You are correct. Yeah, boy. <laughs> My bleepy goes. Uh, best character, Clive. Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> I, I feel like a dick. Honestly. No, you're fine. You are perfectly fine. For anyone oh, like, 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 just by the, it's like, yeah, you already know. Here yeah. it is. I'm starting Here. to wind up and say things, and I just watched Thomas whisper to Mason. It's, it's Final Fantasy, <laughs> and you know what? There's no better way to introduce it. Yes, it's Clive from Final Fantasy sixteen. It should have been you! Why didn't the Phoenix choose you? She was every waking moment. We've been trying to shoulder the burden that you and the Phoenix and the Duchy foisted on him. That's why I became his shield. To help bear the weight. But what did you do? You betrayed your own blood and surrendered your son to his fate! Best character... I'm going to go more into this later, because, spoiler, it's all going to be on my list later. Yeah, I think oh. I know where it is, too. <laughs> yes, if you haven't played Final Fantasy XVI, Clive is the best new character and might be one of my favorites of all time in the, a franchise that is now gone for almost 40 games. He jumps so high on that list. Is it really 40 games? Uh, 16 mainline games. There's so many spinoffs and different things. Yeah, it's over 40 at this point. Holy God. I've played two. And it's, I've it's played been, none. And it's been going on... As long as I have been alive. Good lord. Longer, I think. No, it, first game came out December 1987. Oh, what the fuck? I was three months old. Well, damn. So, yeah. As long as I've been alive. All right, Mason. What is the best character bleepy for you? Once again, and basically at a 180 from that. Um, when a franchise starts to go on longer than it should, the one thing that gets consistently worse with each movie is the villain. My bleepy for the best character of the year comes from the poster child for franchises that go on for way too long, and yet he somehow brought a new palpable energy never before seen in this franchise's 10th, yes, 10th, numbered entry. 
And the bleepy for best character goes to Dante Reigns from Fast X. Back on black look good. I know what you're thinking. And yes, carpet matches the drapes. Thank you. I can't believe I'm going to race the great Dominic Toretto. I have butterflies. You're just so impressive. You've won so many races. Everyone loves you. You've saved so many lives. I know. It's like you're a saint. Saint Dominic. I've been studying you. I'm watching you. I can't figure it out. It's how. How do you choose? How do you choose the ones you save? Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa's character, yes. And the fact that... <laughs> the best thing about this is the fact that Vin Diesel hates that performance yeah. so much. Yeah, but you know, Vin Diesel's a fucking asshole. So. Look, he blamed look, some of their look, lack of success on Momoa. Look, Vin Diesel doesn't know a goddamn thing about his own franchise. He really doesn't. doesn't. Know he really doesn't. Thing. I He's, love this. I, I know he's trying to be go like full dictator mode on this franchise. He doesn't know a goddamn thing about it. Like Jason Momoa has so much charm. He's having so much fun Jason, in that movie. Jason Momoa is he's becoming sort of another The Rock, but in a better way, where he actually has some variety in the characters he plays. Mm-hmm. Where he he just has such a huge amount of charm. It's the, very and he's hard. been playing a lot of different characters throughout a lot yeah, of Keep it. in mind, this year he returned as Aquaman and he was Dante in Fast X. Mm-hmm. Two wildly different characters. And uh, was Peacemaker at the beginning of this year or was that at the end of last year? That was the... Uh, I Because he has a cameo this. in Peacemaker yeah, and it begin, is so be, good. Beginning of this year, I believe. The, I could be wrong. The, fa- the Fast franchise up until this point was missing a lot of the fun. Like the like the stunts are all big and everything, and it's all like crazy and everything. But all of the characters are playing it a hundred percent straight, and Dante isn't, and that's what makes him the the best character of the year for me. Considering that the majority of the villains have been really just overly serious, except for you know Charlie Theron's horrible hair in <laughs> Fate of the Furious, they've all Which kind of been played worse than F nine. Super super serious. And it is a movie franchise where they launched a car into space. It's okay yes. to have, be a little wacky. It's, a, it's ironic that Fast X is probably one of my... No, because I hated Fate. Uh, it's on lower tier for me for Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. But none of that is Jason Momoa's fault. In fact, he improves the movie. He, he You know, I was going to say he basically... No, he fully carries that movie he carries on his back. He, man. So... Both Mason and I have picked new characters in long-running franchises. We have. All right, Thomas, what's your best character of 2023? An old character in a long-running franchise. Oh, well, you got one of them, right? So, sometimes you fall out of something. Like, you are in love with it, but then just years and years of just, meh, eh, eh, not for me. You Mm -hmm. just sort of lose interest. Mm -hmm. And And it takes a lot for something to reignite my love. This year did that. This year reignited my love with one movie. It's not a good movie. I won't say it's a great movie. It's probably not even in people's top 20 of the year. But for me, it reignited my love for a franchise long since dormant. And the character most responsible for that and has bumped his way up into becoming one of my favorite characters of all time. From everything he's in, not just this movie. It is Optimus Prime from Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Time to show you the real power of the prime. I am always down for Optimus Prime yeah. receiving bleepies. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine. Well, are we talking? You know, you could maybe hand it up, or maybe he goes small like in Fortnite, so he can hand it at our. He brings our it, level. Bring, bring him in like he, like when he was on uh, David Letterman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and the great Peter Cullen back, and it seems like actually enjoying the role, yeah, which is something yeah. he hasn't in a lot of movies. He doesn't want anyone else to be Optimus Prime, so he keeps doing the movies, but it it seems like he actually was like, oh, this is Optimus. This is, yeah. yeah, and that's one of the things that fixes it for me. This one feels like Optimus. This is the first live-action Transformers movie since 
one <laughs> to actually feel like Optimus. I mean, three is good for the most part, but then it has that will kill them all scene. It's like Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> and this is the first one in a while where, yes, Optimus is angry, but he's angry for a reason. He's angry because he's stranded on this planet. He's angry because his son is dead, basically. So he's just pissed off and... What really sealed the deal, it's not favorite performance of the year, because I've obviously given that already, but possibly my favorite delivery of the year does go to Peter Cullen, where he, as a savage motherfucker, cuts off the bad guy's arms, stabs a sword into his head, and goes, I'll show you the real power of a prime. It's like, Mm -hmm. god damn, I love that scene. I love Peter Cullen. I would let Peter Cullen read the dictionary to me. I would let him read the phone book to me. He can read any restaurant's menu to me, and I will give him a bleepy. He can have a bleepy. He is such a great voice. And again, just when a character is good enough that it reignites my passion for a franchise, I've got to give him the award. Just right there. I watched watched uh, an award show that Peter Cullen was at. He was receiving an award, and I was watching him talking, and I was like, Holy crap, that's not a voice. He can just do that. Yeah, that yeah. just, just his sounds voice. like that. that have, you ever, have you ever heard the behind the scenes of how he came up with the Optimus Prime voice? Because he had a slightly said, different voice. And then, I, I don't remember if it was a friend or a relative who was in the military. Yeah, so it, was his, it, was his brother, it was his brother yeah. who was like, no, no, it needs to have more authority. It needs to be yeah. more of this. And that's how he kind of developed and became the Optimus Prime voice. Yeah. Uh, because it, it voiced, it, it is such a... a opposite of frank welker's uh megatron that it is so <laughs> yeah. perfect and, and while look the old transformer shows are really dumb and cheesy and i love them but uh <laughs> those two voices alone carry it and it's great that it feels like we're getting back to at least those characters in live action again being more of themselves once again He's so good, he reignited my love for Transformers, and that's got to count for something. We gonna, watched this gonna... live. We witnessed Thomas's passion. <laughs> the, yeah. the flames behind Thomas's eyes reignited. <laughs> we have given out nine bleepies so far. We still have nine more to give out. <laughs> so, our fourth category of the day. There is many times a moment in a movie or a game that just, it makes you realize, oh, I like this. Oh, this is why this is so good. Oh, I understand this movie or I understand this game or whatever it is. And so, our bleepies, we're going to give out for best moment of 2023. All right, Mason. Are you guys, right. are you, are you guys ready for the, for the understatement of the century? Sure. The MCU is in a weird place right now. Yes. <laughs> From the less than stellar box office performances to the absolute critical pummeling to everything in between, the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is uncertain at best and bleak at worst. Critical pummeling. It's 50%, but... <laughs> well, compared to what they had in the It's in not the what Rebel Moon is getting right now. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. But then along comes... Mr. James Francis Gunn Jr., who showed us that no matter where the MCU might be in the future, it will always be able to produce some of the coolest moments in film history. My bleepy for best slash most impactful moment goes to the hallway fight scene from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm done running. As soon as you said MCU, I'm like, oh, it's all white. <laughs> there's, there's so much in that one moment that is that, like, it's... It's gorgeous. It me, it's gorgeously like, shot. There, there were so many great moments in uh, so many movies this year. None of them gave me hope, like Guardians of the, that, that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 did. None of them gave me hope. <laughs> well, that, the yeah, it gave me hope that the DCU will be good. <laughs> Superman with James Gunn, gonna be something. It's gonna uh, be something. But... I mean, I'm going to definitely be, I think I'm, I had the lowest review of Guardians, uh, Volume 3. It was fine, and, and I, I liked the hallway scene. I don't have it as high as you, obviously, but there's no denying how well that thing is shot. Look, And a, how uh, uh, bonkers the action in it is. I'm an I'm a absolute sucker for single-take action scenes, and that, and that one is like one of the best that I've seen. 
Admittedly, I haven't seen a lot. <laughs> a better one but, came out that this year, yeah. John Wick Chapter Four. But, I didn't, but it, it's one of those. It's one I was, of those. I was, I'm trying not to shit on this. In, right, in right. the modern, st- yes, it's a it's a one shot. In the same way that 1917's one shot, um, it is so. Look, it fooled me. All right. <laughs> I mean, considering the amount of stuff they have to do, it's ninety percent of that shot is CGI. But <laughs> look, it, it, it's, but an, it's still, enough. It's, it was enough to make like we are not here to be in the air in the theater. To be uh, uh, We're not negative here. on the bleepies. We are happy. So James Gunn, congrats on your bleepy and what you have done bringing us Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Probably the best trilogy of the MCU. Yes, the yeah, best trilogy yeah, of the I'll, MCU. I was gonna say it's not hard. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I mean, I'll do I, it then. Yeah, yeah, definitely the best trilogy of the MCU. That'd have uh, to be something to think on more, but like top of the brain, yeah, that's probably yeah. Fun. Congrats on your bleepy, Mister Gun. All right, Thomas, what was your moment of 2023? I don't know because <laughs> this is the one you were wrestling with. This is the one that I'm wrestling with so much because I had it, I packaged it, and I sold it out, and then I was like, "Oh shit, bring it back!" Because <laughs> up until like literally the last moment, like last night, I had it set. I knew what I wanted, but then right last night, I thought of another moment, and I'm like, fuck me. (laughs) But now I have to decide, do I count a moment that came out in 2022, but was animated in 2023, or do I count something that came out fully in 2023? I'd say the fully in 2023. Cool. Yeah, go with with that one. I still Uh, want to know what the other one was, but go. The other one was Gear 5. Yeah, yeah. Luffy going Gear 5 shook my fucking world, but that is an honorable mention. I love you, One Piece, with all my heart, but you're not my favorite franchise of all time. My favorite franchise of all time is what took it. It's Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic Frontiers DLC 3 came out this year. The Final Horizons, where Sonic has to train his hardest and perform and become Cyber Super Sonic. That's what people are calling it. Some people just call it Supersonic 2. <laughs> the Super And Sonic. the final moment, or the moment that made it to my list, was the final battle with the end in Sonic Frontier's Final Horizons. Sonic, it's now or never! Sorry, Master King! Looks like I'm going all out after all. Because I'm just going to be blunt. It's fuck off anime as shit. And I love that. (laughs) Something we mentioned on a previous podcast that should have all aired by this point over on our Patreon where we pitched our reboots. Sonic, when it's more anime, is rad as hell. Yeah, and yeah. Specifically, what does it is you know what I'm gonna be honest. It is probably because I am a Sonic hardcore fan. Will other people have this height? No, but there were three moments that made. There were three moments in this moment <laughs> that made it. <laughs> that a moment, so, within a moment, it's moment section that solidified it as yes, this is mine of the year. One is one of the animations you can do when attacking the end, where Sonic crosses his arms attacks the end without even moving them you see a bunch of yellow lines come on screen and he just the end falls and he looks back it's like that's dope as hell mm, uh another that's very anime another one he does a fucking jojo pose i swear to god where <laughs> the end blasts all these big asshole laser beams at him he gets hit by a lot of them gets hit by a lot of them absorbs the cyber energy and then he just points at the he just points at the end with a finger gun. He's like, you're next, asshole. And what did it for real was uh, Eggman grabs the gun of the end because the end has a big uh, gun that's being used in the robot body and aims it. And it's like, Sonic, get in there. You need to power this. And and kind of something that's been going on throughout the final battle, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about this for a bit, <laughs> is, Go for it. is Sonic has been holding back. Because they've been told, if you don't hold back, you will never be able to use this power again. So Sonic gets into the gun, and he's like, sorry, I gotta stop holding back. And he evolves, basically. (laughs) This isn't even my final form. And it fires off. You see a bit of a hint of Fleetway Super Sonic in there, which is so sick. And he kills the end, and oh my god, I geeked out like a motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's been something that we've been seeing a little bit more and more and more in anime, uh, especially long-running anime series, is the, like, arch-nemesis and the hero teaming up for something or having just brief moments where they have to work together to do something. And... Sonic's no stranger to that. <laughs> I would like to say Dragon Ball ripped off Sonic this time because Sonic did it first in SA2, but anyway. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Very, very That's... awesome. Maybe, maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll pick up Sonic Frontiers again when, they, it, they when, actually, it doesn't, when it doesn't kick my ass. They actually patched it to be easier. So. Did they really? <laughs> it's oh, a really man. fun game. I haven't played a ton of it, but it is really fun. It's a good Sonic game. I like, I like good Sonic games. Yeah. Shocker to no one here. I will say the final battle pissed me off because I didn't know what to do. Because I thought I did, and then I didn't, and then it turns out I did. I just fucked it up. I hate so. when that happens. When you end up when you're doing the right thing and then you try to correct it. Yeah. My moment, and the bleepy that I'm going to give for, is a movie that we've already talked about once. We're going to talk about again. Godzilla destroys Gonza. shit guys <laughs> holy shit we have seen destruction from godzilla before heck shin godzilla showed it more as a uh horror movie and a lot of mm-hmm. those aspects of it but we've never seen it impact the people the way this scene does godzilla comes out of the sea it's his first attacking he's attacking the city it's where our main character figures out shit he's attacking where my wife's working or his love of his life. They're not technically married, but they they're married. Uh, it's like, you know, it's found that they're attacking there. I need to go and save her. And she is on a rail car that gets picked up by Godzilla, falls out. He knocks over buildings. But then what makes this moment and what literally had me just sitting in the theater, mouth wide open, just in just awe of they just did that is the atomic breath. They've teased the atomic breath in the movie. We'd seen it kind of teased, but him powering up and blowing, you know, shooting that out, destroying things, and then the blowback destruction that it's... It's it's like he coughed up a nuke. It is (laughs) unbelievable. The sound design, the soundtrack build up to that moment, and then the calm as... Uh, he's as afterwards standing there and the horror of the whole what has just happened as our main character has survived but nobody else around him seems to have been the horror and him just breaking down and then just that whole time in the background Godzilla is just standing there just overlooking all of it it Godzilla versus humans is probably the best way to do Godzilla making him not necessarily the end. He's the end. The thing that needs to be overcome in the movie. I love good team-ups. I love when Godzilla's protecting Earth. But I think at his best is when he is this just force of destruction that humanity doesn't know what to do with. Yeah. And that's kind of what this scene encapsulates. What I love so much about Godzilla all in one. And it is a moment that I will not forget. I will have be thinking about for a long, long, long time. Can't wait for Godzilla minus two. <laughs> Godzilla zero. Godzilla. The bleepy has gone to Godzilla minus one. Specifically okay, to so, Godzilla. Here so we go. so we've handed it up. We've handed, we've handed it upwards it. to Optimus Prime and Godzilla. Well, Godzilla's gonna be a lot fucking harder. He's a lot bigger. <laughs> and I'm also just gonna, a lot less friendly. I'm just gonna put it right down here. Okay, okay. He's <laughs> gonna step on it. Alright. I don't our, think he cares. <laughs> our final two categories. We're to the point of any award show where we just are going to tell you what the best was. Mm-hmm. The best movie of the year. Thomas, what do you got? Mine is not on the top 10 of anyone. It is not on a top 20 of anyone. Hell, I'd be surprised if it was in the top 30. I would expect nothing less. But. <laughs> At least you know. But. Sometimes you watch a movie and it just does everything you want. Everything that you've wanted in a movie for years, you're like, this is it, this is what I want. Even if that thing isn't necessarily good. 
but it, it does just everything you want. It appeals to you so much. And does it appeal to anyone else as much as me? Fuck no. But I cannot deny that Plane was my movie of the year. If you do this, you'll probably never see your family again. What about their families? I have a daughter, and I have every intention of making a home. They're going to come at us with everything they've got. We're getting off this island. That's right. Yep. I forgot that was this year. It was January. First, first weekend or second weekend of the second year? Second weekend. I love when when a movie that comes out in the first or second weekend hits someone's top ten. That is always <laughs> one of my favorites. I've had a couple times in the year where it's been like two or three, and I'm like, the, nothing topped what I saw in the first couple of weekends. I mean, I've also discovered this year uh, my movie tastes fluctuate between eight-year-old child and dad. <laughs> and this one hit both. Because for a while, my movie of the year was actually Air. I, I adore yeah, Air. It's a good movie. But but then I watched it. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, was it Air itself, or was it just that Matt Damon speech that did it? The the well written Ben Affleck Matt Damon written speech. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which was it was a runner up for moment of the year for me. Then I thought about it, and I'm like, no, Plane just did everything I want. Now what I want is a shitty '80s canon film, but it's what it gave me. And again. Is this on anyone's top 30? Fuck. <laughs> I'd be surprised but, if anybody making those lists were uh, remembered that playing happened this year. Yeah, and you know but what? the important thing is, we remember, and the bleepy has gone to it. The bleepy yes. has gone to playing. Gerard Butler, you've done it. You've <laughs> finally done it. <laughs> you didn't get ass in your eyes for nothing, man. <laughs> All right. Man, poor, poor this is great coming into my movie because I just waxed poetic about it. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. My bleepy is going to Godzilla minus one. I was going to say, what a shock. It is the best movie of the year. It is a movie that I sat mouth agape so many times. I applauded a movie at the end of it. I, everything, it did absolutely everything. Are there nonsensical things in it? Yeah. Are there things that you're like, wow, in a lot of other movies, I might be a little harsher on this, but they're all earned. We talked about the, the, the wife surviving. It was earned. It needed to happen. It is a movie that it hit every emotion that I needed, everything I wanted. Godzilla Minus One is just so freaking good. And it was kind of awesome that Thomas's movie came out in January and the whole year waiting for something to maybe top it. And for me, my movie for most, a good chunk of the year, obviously it came out in the middle of the year, was Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. That was my number one. And then right at the, right at the beginning of December... Out of that nowhere. changed. Uh, fun fact: That's basically what happened to me last year, because for the entire year, my top movie was The Batman, and, and then, then December, and, and then, then Puss December, Puss and Boots came out. And I was like, and Fuck. Puss and Boots was a Christmas oh, release, so, so like it was, it was, so yeah. Yeah. It was literally the end. Of Puss and Boots and Plane were like two weeks apart. I <laughs> know yeah, that was the happiest time of my life. <laughs> All right, Mason, movie of the year. Okay, both of these guys already know what my movie of the year is. I'm not gonna do. I'm not going to do any build-up about, like, the movie itself, but I do want to talk about the development of the movie because I think that the, the, the way that this movie even happened is just as important, and if not more important, than the movie itself. So I want us to, I want us to take our minds back in time, only a couple of years, to tw- 2019. When Disney acquired 20th Century Fox in March of 2019... They also acquired their animation subsidiary, Blue Sky Blue Studios. Sky. At the time, Blue Sky was set to release their first film after the a- acquisition, Spies in Disguise, and were also working on another film on the side. After Spies in Disguise released, it became the lowest-grossing Blue Sky movie, which is very unfortunate because I really like that movie. I do. I like Spies in Disguise a lot. I think it, unfortunately, this is just sorry to interrupt there. Unfortunately, with Spies in Disguise, it did hit at the end of 2019. What happened at the beginning of 2020? Uh, the whole world produce. shut down. Oh, it, no. <laughs> it, it didn't quite get as, hit as bad as, say, Onward, which came out the week before everything came shut out down. In March. Uh, which got destroyed because of that, but... It, I think there is some effect there in that. Right. But a- after Spies in the Sky's release and became the lowest grossing Blue Sky movie, Disney 
permanently closed their doors, canceling the movie that they, were work, that they were releasing next that, according to one animator, was very, very close to being finished. After the studio closure, Annapurna Studios uh, brought on DNG, DNEG Animation to finish, the, to finish the movie, which was then able to find a second life on Netflix, becoming my all-time favorite movie of the year in the process. The bleepy for best movie of the year for me goes to Nimona. The queen killer is still out there. Everyone is scared. He's a murderer. He's a monster. He's perfect. Hey, boss. No. Who are you? The name's Nimona. Your sidekick has arrived. I don't need a sidekick. Every villain needs a sidekick. I'm not a villain. I think we all kind of knew each other's top movies of the year because, yeah. you know, we talk a lot. Yeah. But, yeah. I, that's, that's the one. I, unfortunately, have not yet caught Nimona. I know Thomas has and says it's good, so. It's good. I obviously don't love it as much as Mason, but it's good. I, but, I've heard nothing but good things about it, though, so I imagine I will at least find enjoyment in it. And the, th- the thing is, Nimona, it's not a perfect movie, but it's a victim of its circumstance. It went through development hell like the begin, like the the movie had been, was being worked on since 2015 it, it it went through so much and so it's it's gonna come out a little bit rough and I rewatched it recently uh this month I believe and I, I hate rewatching movies that I really love because my brain does this thing where it starts to like try to pick out faults in it you know what I mean and so like re- rewatching it the second time I did kind of I I was kind of like yeah they the animation isn't great. A lot of the uh, textures are very basic. But then again, one of my all-time favorite animated movies is The Last Unicorn, which, man, that's some rough animation. So, like, I, I, and I, I can excuse that. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things about this movie that I can excuse because the story is told so well. The, um, the I'm trying to think of the word, the, the setting, the environment is so well realized and original and the, the the performances and the characters are all so well, and the I could gush about this movie like I am now for hours. I love it so much, and I'm so happy that it was able to be put out into the world. Yeah, I'm going to take a guess and say, I don't know for certain, but I'm going to take a guess and say Sean will like it more than I did. It's not that I hated it. Probably. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, just I watched it and I was like, it's good. <laughs> one of those that did it, it was good for you, you but you didn't necessarily like it wasn't like oh my gosh i need to rewatch this a bunch you know like playing yeah right because i have shit taste no <laughs> uh, this is awesome I, I think most I, of my favorite movies are like three star movies if we're being honest i think the fact that three of three movies here picked given bleepies uh for this year all of them being very different very unique and probably no None of them are going to receive awards anywhere else. Fuck no. Ah, yeah, which is a shame. (laughs) So, we here at the Bleepies are here to represent the underrepresented. The underdogs. I mean, the only one I can see winning is maybe Godzilla Minus One takes visuals. It might get something, but even then, it it might win foreign film. That's a possibility, but there's also two or three other foreign films that are more Oscar baby, so we'll see. I mean, completely off topic. I know Mason wants Nimona for uh, Best Animated Feature. I want Boy and the Heron to win so bad. I haven't even seen it. I just like the idea of a 2D animated movie winning in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, the last Miyazaki yeah. film, uh, Wind Rises, didn't win. It, uh, didn't, it no. did not. Because uh, I think the only one he's won is Spirited Away. It's Spirited Away, yeah. So it would be awesome to, to see a 2D animated win. All right. Our final category as we wrap up our first annual bleepies. And this is a big one. Because this is what we we do here on this podcast more than anything. Yes. We talk vid games. Which is interesting that we haven't that uh, that a lot of (laughs) you've brought up up, uh, a game in your list. Mm -hmm. Thomas, did you? Sonic Frontiers. Oh, that's right. We've had two. We've had two big ones. And and again, so I I will lead off because I've already kind of tipped my hand what my best game of the year is. The Bleepy is going to Final Fantasy sixteen. There's a truth in it now. 
I could have legitimately gone down five of the six categories here. Wouldn't have gone best movie, obviously. And I could have given it to Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> the best movie is the YouTube compilation of the Final Fantasy XVI. <laughs> uh, but it... I understand there are there are people out there that didn't love it. A lot of, there are a lot of different complaints. There are traditionalist fans who don't love it. There are new fans who didn't love it. There are younger kids who didn't like the more mature tone. Everything about this game did everything I wanted. It, I, I prefer the slower RPGs. I prefer, my favorite in the franchise is Final Fantasy X. It is a slow button push. Okay, button push. Okay, button push. Turn order, you know, sort of thing. But an action game with, it still has plenty of RPG elements in it with a just incredible story, breathtaking soundtrack, and a performance uh, from Ben Starr as Clive that is just so good and more or less created a star in the industry. Mm-hmm. That, you know, while he didn't win the Game Awards, was he, he is... Was he, he, he was nominated yeah, he for was best, nominated. best performance. Because he was who Sean wanted to win. Oh, but yeah. he has kind of become an online star, somebody who just people now know and that it's awesome to take somebody who was just this unknown person to get... You know, this recognition, the fact that it hits on so many of the themes that I love, uh, on redemption, on revenge, it does something that so few things does. It lets someone get revenge. And when anybody says it, says, no, you need revenge. You need to finish this. Otherwise, you will not be able to actually help us because this will, con- this things. And it lets a woman get her revenge on her attacker. Let's her stab him in the, it's so good. It has so many moments. It has so much. It's the best game of the year. I love it. The bleepy has gone to Final Fantasy 16. Who could have predicted it? And when I, when I get through Final Fantasy 1 through 15, I'll be right there with you. I mean, you could just start on any of them. They don't tie together. <laughs> Why are there so many? Because they're it's amazing. It's a ser- <laughs> Mason, Why are you surprised? Mason, you gave a Fast and Furious a bit of <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of them. Fair enough. Anyway, Mason... What are you giving the bleepy for best game? At my co-host's recommendation, request, we'll say recommendation. At my co-host's recommendation, I recently watched the first three Die Hard movies. What makes John McClane one of the best action heroes is that he doesn't become one by choice. He gets thrusted into a situation and gets the job done. It's no coincidence that my game of the year has a protagonist that perfectly mirrors the John McClane style action hero. The Bleepy Award for Best Video Game, for me, goes to the Dead Space remake. It's all falling apart here. Hey, Isaac. Coming? Where is everybody? We haven't mentioned much on this, so this is cool. Yeah, it's it, it it's it was really interesting because I had I never played any of the Dead Space games before. I don't really play horror games because I don't like being scared. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll just say how it is. I re- I felt like I needed to play a game from 2023 because I hadn't really done that yet. And Mason is perpetually the joke is perpetually four or five years behind on video games perpetually. So yes. he'll get into all the 2023 games in 2028. Yes, and then he'll come back and be like, guys, did you know that Spider Man Two was awesome? <laughs> hey, this Alan Wake Two sounds really good. Baldur's Gate Three, did you know this did was you a know thing? This was a game. This is amazing. Why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> It, it it did honestly come from from a place of like I didn't want to come come on here and say that my my game of the year was Forza Motorsport, which wouldn't even really be true be, be, even if it was the only game I played this year because it's kind of disappointing. But it, it it honestly even if I did play other games from the from this year, I still think this would because the, the 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 level of atmosphere in this in this game and it's the the way that it like the way that it play like it plays with you in a way, and, and, like, the tone that it sets, and it's just... Again, I'm gushing about this game because it's just so good. 
you know, in a year where uh, there is a remake that's gotten a lot of love, it's fun that you went with a different one. Resident Evil 4. Oh, that's right. Resident Evil 4. It's fun that you found a remake that was different. I love remakes. Look, some of our entire foundation of this podcast is remakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not wrong. You're not wrong there. But awesome, awesome. So, so far, Final Fantasy 16 and Dead Space Remake have gotten a bleepy. Thomas, what is the final bleepy of the night going to? So, for a while, my game of the year was unironically RoboCop Rogue City. Uh, because I played that game and I was like, what the fuck? Why is it good? Uh, <laughs> we call that pulling a Wonka. Yeah, but... Considering some of the really bad RoboCop games that have come out over the year, it, yeah, is, it, is, so, it is awesome that there's a good one. But then I started playing another game. It was on sale, and I was like, whatever. I liked the first one of this series. Let me try this one. And it started kind of balancing. I'm like, is this my game of the year? Because I really like it, but no, RoboCop still beats it. Around... The third act, well, let's put it the fourth quarter of the game. <laughs> it's really started solidifying it. No, this is it. This is my game of the year. And it's ironic that the last bleepy combines the swords of Sean with the sci-fi of Mason, my game of the year, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Explode. Part of the job, Gustus. The Jedi is a threat. Not now that we have this. As long as we fight. Hope survives. Yeah, it's unfortunately I have not played the Survivor yet. I still need to beat Fallen Order. I still need to beat Fallen Uh, Order. I I played some. I played quite a bit of Fallen Order. I played about ten hours of it, but I didn't actually finish it. And as the Star Wars guy, it's kind of sad that I haven't. (laughs) But everything I've seen, it seems like Jedi Survivor is just awesome. Jedi Survivor. And it kind of got forgotten. It was. It's fun that Thomas's two game and movie are first quarter games and movies this year. Yeah, but they, it all peaked at the beginning. No, uh, <laughs> all, downhill all downhill from there. From there. <laughs> For me, one of the reasons I I love movement in games. It's one of the reasons I love platformers so much. Uh, when a game can give me just great feeling movement, uh, that just hits, scratches an itch for me. And Jedi Survivor does that. Between the wall running, you get an ability later to dash. You get an ability to dash through force fields, which regenerates your dash. You get an ability to dash through fucking wind currents. On top of just the ever-satisfying combat, the fact that this stoic Jedi survivor can pull out their piece, (laughs) which will never not make me laugh. And yes, that was the blaster formation was the main one I used. (laughs) It was that and cross guard were my main ones throughout the whole game. Mm. But on top of that, I am not the biggest Star Wars fan. Sean's a Star Wars fan here. I like it, but it's not like one of my favorite things. If this didn't reignite the passion like, uh, you know, Transformers did for me because, again, I have shit taste. But uh, playing this and I'm like, oh, this is really good. Especially near the end, the story elements that came in, I was like, oh, this is really fucking good. Like, damn. It's always great when there's a reminder when you're like, oh, yeah. Star Wars can tell really good stories. I, you know, they can tell really good stories. It, it was very similar watching Ahsoka this year. I was like, oh, right. Star Wars stories are good when they're good. It also, I, it also has several moments that it also has several moments that almost were my moment of the year. One specifically, I won't give away, but there is a part where Cal is surrounded. He's pissed off, and you get a button prompt, and that button prompt alone, I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It shows how strong it is, because Cal Kestis is my favorite Star Wars character. Cameron Monaghan deserves Cal a Kestis. lot of credit. Uh, and he, we talked about it a bit in the Game Awards when we were live-streaming that, but uh, he's definitely one that just kind of, like, the performance maybe got a little forgotten because of all the great performances in video games afterwards, but he is so good as Cal. He is so good. And the fact that he could easily transition if they wanted to make 
any show or animation and he could still be that character. Because yeah, the dude looks at like any point. It is such a great performance that has kind of got overlooked over the years because he was great in Fallen Order and he everything that you see in this one, he is so good as that. Yeah. Plus you can give him a headband and a beard and pretend it's a Metal Gear Solid spin-off. <laughs> huh. What we do on this podcast and why we are giving out bleepies is we will look at these things later and things that maybe are undervalued or underappreciated we will find them. Yeah, yep. it's going to be interesting when we do more Star Wars stuff because Sean's the love her, and I'm like, I like half of the movies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but thank you all for uh, listening to our first award show. We hope to make this a yearly tradition. We hope that uh, we can keep doing this and keep bringing, uh, you know, bleepies to you. If you have in these categories something that you had, a moment, a character, a movie, a game, a performance, a soundtrack that stuck out that we didn't say, drop us an email, bleepyouplaying at gmail.com. We would love to hear it. Heck, we might even have an extra episode at some point where we read some of these and talk about what other people have said. Let us know. Or, you know, subscribe over to our Patreon. We have a lot of stuff coming out. We got a lot. So much stuff coming out. We are really excited to bring you a lot of new, different, and weird, and fun things over this next year. But uh, 2023 was a year of growth, and uh, we, uh, we're we happy where we're going, and we're yeah. going to keep doing that. 2024 is going to get crazy. So you guys have a great this night. This party's getting started. And uh, we'll be back next time. Burn it.